1: You're listening to New Books in Geography, podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host for today, Stentor Danielson, from the Department of Geography, Geology, and the Environment at Slippery Rock University. Today, I'll be talking to Mercy Romero, author of Toward Camden, published last year by Duke University Press. Dr. Romero, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Stentor.
1: So to start off, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your background and how you came to write this book?
2: Yeah, um, so I'm... uh from camden new jersey um i have a phd in ethnic studies uh from uc berkeley and the book is um came from uh a question that uh, i started thinking about as a graduate student um really kind of writing my dissertation um and then it stayed with me uh, as i started working uh in my job and uh it's something that i kind of wanted to return to which was the question of um where is home uh and thinking about this vacant lot that i grew up across the street from in camden in the kramer hill neighborhood um and so the book kind of uh emerges from that kind of uh concern for me and curiosity really of watching this vacant lot transform uh from an abandoned house to a vacant lot and all the kind of end of the storytelling uh, and memory work starts there for me with this project.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that vacant lot because it's it's kind of one of the main characters uh, of the book Uh, and it goes through a lot of different transformations that you tie into a lot of the um, you know thoughts that you have about Camden. So can you tell us a bit about this lot and how it's changed and, and what that means about the city?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of, you know, Camden, when I was growing up, there were tons of uh, abandoned buildings. And I write about this in the book and vacant houses as part of um, my imagination um, and the landscape of my childhood and girlhood um, and uh, going home, I watched all those places kind of stay in that condition and more um, kind of um, go to ruin um, in some ways. And so um, that lot across the street uh, from my parents' house, which was also my grandmother's house, um is at Lincoln Avenue and North 27th Street. And um, I write about this a lot in the book, just sort of um, what it meant to kind of be, to grow up in front of this house that was a gathering place for so many um, young folks in our neighborhood. Um, And we all had a kind of, I would say like an intimate relationship to that space, but it was also really troubled. Um, and um, over the course of, I write about in, God, what year was that? 1991, um, the Mischief Night Fires that transformed what was this big old house to um, kind of becoming becoming an empty lot, becoming a, a space on the landscape where there was no structure. But people continue to gather there in different ways. And I, I go through that in the book. Um, yeah, so.
1: Yeah, and I realized about halfway through reading the book that like you're giving the exact address of this lot that you're talking <laughs> about, and so I was like, wait, I could just go on like Google Street View and look at this, and it actually, it really helped, like, yeah, I did, and it really helped kind of, like, solidify in my mind what I was you know what i was reading about when you were talking about this place because i could see it and you know because you talk about how the, the sort of latest uh transformation of the lot as it's become this kind of like parking lot for the church across the street and you talked about the like um the chain link fence that's around it like the, one of the short the short kind of fences and i could just see it there and i'm like oh yeah um
2: yeah it's so interesting that that space i mean that was you know and i and i talk about this again and it's just like um i didn't expect when i was working on this book that my parents uh, house would be lost to us and that um i would kind of lose my writing place um and end up um, writing outside and then ended up end up kind of gathering on that corner myself standing on that corner, walking. Around the neighborhood, but finding a kind of, um, I describe it as a kind of strange safety across the street, uh, where that parent, my, where my parents' house became a different kind of object to me, one that I felt um, was too big to approach. So the lot was, I mean, I, that's just the nature of experience, right, in writing a project where it's just, it just shocked the hell out of me, because um, I wasn't able, you know, I, I never hung out there on that exact corner in that lot although it was such a big part of um our neighborhood and 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 like i said my visual landscape
1: yeah and then your parents house is kind of the other you know major location that's kind of woven through the the book and kind of your uh you know, figuring out your feelings about it. Um, and you kind of gave the, the spoiler there, I guess, that, uh, you know, the, the house is no longer owned by your family. And that's kind of how the book ends with, you know, grappling with that. So can you say a little bit about that, like, you know, what the house meant and, you know, how it ended up passing on to a, a new owner by the end of the book?
2: Yeah, Um so... It's interesting too to talk about this um, piece of writing for me as a book. Um, It's such a, it was um, a way of figuring out a really, like I said, it was this intellectual project that turned into um, a different kind of tool for understanding what my family was going to, was going through and continues to go through um around uh the loss of this of this home and this house for us really the house so yeah that was my grandma's house i don't even know when she bought that house but i um and she passed away in december been over a year now um so um i didn't get a chance to talk to her about any of this um but she moved at some point and then gave that house to my parents we moved there when I was about like in fourth grade um, and uh, that house, and I've written about this in another short piece that, uh, or essay that I was published in a uh, biography. Um, all of my dad's family like stayed in that house at different points, uh, you know, during our history with that house. Um, and at times all of us at, at the same time. Um, and so I knew that when I was a little, very little, we had the living room. And um, we all slept in the living room and then different members of our house of our family were slept in different rooms in the house. my grandpa, grandmother rather uh, had a sewing operation that she did in the house so it it had um, it has like a long life um, for me uh, a very rich life in terms of um, all the kinds of experiences and memories that my family created there together. Um, the house went in I want to say, she's I don't even know like some years ago my, my uh, dad left and then my mom left uh, and the house foreclosed um, and this happened while I was still working on the book uh, and um, I you know it was obviously really painful experience for, for me and I can only speak for myself um, but, it Took me by surprise, and I and I and I kind of dwell on this a little bit in, in the work. Uh, you know, so many people, of course, have lost their homes, and that there was a the kind of characteristic of um vacancy uh, in our neighborhood and all throughout the city of Camden. Um, and I was thinking about that and not expecting those, um, <sighs> That kind of structural loss to touch my family in such an intimate way, um, and uh, it's still something that shocks and uh, and angers me. Particularly after our our grandmother has passed away, realizing that the house goes further back and um, was was hers, um, and I and I and I um, I'm still kind of coming to terms with that. It doesn't have anything to do with book anymore it's just uh kind of what the book taught me um i guess is a, a lesson that continues to inform my kind of um uh, coming to terms and kind of grieving uh that that loss for our family and turning it around so that it can mean lots of different things for us and enable us to kind of continue to move in the world um but it's a you know in terms of and i'm, I'm speaking you know, symbolically and and, and emotionally and and as a writer and a creative, but of course this means so much in terms of the loss of like structural wealth uh, that, you know, what a house can mean for uh, a family in terms of inheritance and capital accumulation and all that stuff, um, which I'm not particularly invested in as a human being, but it bears um, all kinds of effects. It still bears effects on my family, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the, the book does a good job of, you know, dealing with these very personal aspects that you've been talking about uh, for the last little bit here, and kind of contextualizing them with some of the larger kind of structural issues about, you know, urban redevelopment and racialized capitalism and these kinds of things that are, uh, you know, affecting the city of Camden as a whole.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um I I was kind of trying to move in different directions and teach myself and gather from everything that I've learned and continue to learn from my mentors and teachers and the fields that we're all a part of, right? Um to understand and to teach um about this is one thing and then she then hold on for dear life, right? Like you're trying to figure out, damn what's happening in my family right now and uh, and um, kind of continue to uh, create and uh, be hopeful and all those things, right? Uh, to draw strength and so the the uh, the intellectual tools and that and uh, a political awareness is a real big part of um, of my creative life and the life of this work, right? And moving with and through memory and false memory and.
0: Fragments
1: and all of that. Yeah, and so speaking of intellectual tools, um, you know, throughout the book, you're you're engaging with a bunch of other people who have, you know, other thinkers and people whose ideas are helping you figure out what's going on. And it includes a range of, you know, kind of traditional academic scholarly uh, sources, but then you also talk about people who are kind of community leaders and people who are artists. Um, so. Could you talk about maybe a few of the people that have really shaped your um, thinking about Camden and about the story that you're telling in the book?
2: Yeah, I mean, gosh, I'd start, of course, with my parents Um, as intellectuals. um, They uh, created um, a way of being that was passed down and is like foundational to um, how I approach living and loving and thinking and all of that, um, uh, each of them, my mother and my father. Um, and that means a lot to me because it's um, their curiosity um, and their sense of study and uh, wonder and, and their writing and um, openness is, um, it's just really foundational to, um, to, I think, how I built tried to build relation in the book, um, and a kind of tenderness, um, toward, um, the neighborhood and other people, um, and storytelling itself. Um, I think like I'm really inspired by the poets, like Martina Spada, that, who I start the book with. Um, it's, I didn't, I actually, it, and <laughs> that, you know, your prologue is like the I was like the last thing that I wrote. Um so in many ways it kind of starts and ends there for me in a really kind of special way. Um but uh Rick Barrett, who I also mentioned as a poet, that um that I'm just kind of discovering his work and um it's profoundly moving to me. So and Fred Moten's work, of course. Um I just pulled from the fragment from before that opens up the the um the first chapter, but I've um I think that, like, Moten as a poet and as an intellectual is someone who resonates with me. Um, I feel his work in a, at another register, uh, like the deepest intellectual part of me, uh, or I would say, like, my mind kind of um, gets a way to, finds a way to kind of move through his writing and work. So that's super cool and inspiring. Howard Gillette. Who uh, is a historian and wrote the uh, book Camden After the Fall, um, has been a really wonderful supporter um, over the years um, and has taught me a lot in terms of the work that he's that he did as a historian in Camden. Um, um, and then you know I Cydea Hartman also who I've had the real wonderful privilege of working with as a student and during graduate school. Um, and then approaching her work as a reader um her use of um archives and memory and memoir um and lose your mother in particular um just was a real really transformative for me uh to to read that work i continue to read it and teach it and um uh it's it's just a, like it's a tool um and then, of course, um, this Latina feminist like Norma Aleandro and and Gloria Saldua's Borderlands. Um, you know, they, the these writers, women of color, were making moves um, and working in the seventies and eighties. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, that's an intellectual descendant of of those scholars um, in, in so many ways. And so, um, those are some of the. Sort of folks that come to mind, and some of the works that. But um, I hope that the book is, as uh, part of that. I know I know it's part of that intellectual um, tradition. Those intellectual traditions.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's. You know, cool
2: to think about it. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you, you've got a lot of these different, um, you know, people that you're kind of bouncing off of as you're you're writing you know it's not I've you know come across some books that it's like all right so my analysis this is Foucault and everything is based on Foucault you know they've got like one one perspective or one person that they're they're drawing from um and that's very much not what you're doing
2: (laughs) yeah no I don't think I could I mean you know you got to reach you you're you're pulling from all the beauty and the great the great teachers who come across your. Your life, right? Like you're, you're, you're as a student, um, as a, as a reader. It's, I'm trying to figure out some, uh, a way of, um, navigating something that feels damn near impossible. Uh, which is what happened in the book. There are all of those, there's a, the, the, what the experiences that I'm encountering or that I'm writing into being. It's like I have to move in different directions, right? Because you're just, uh, one is not enough. One field is not if I've I'm trained as an interdisciplinary scholar too right I think studies is an interdisciplinary field and that's one of its strengths and and part of its endurance
1: yeah and that was you know this is the geography channel um and I, I actually proposed uh to you to, to bring you on before I had even uh read the book I just read like the synopsis and I was like oh this this sounds like this would be cool and, and relevant and then you know and i saw that you know you're not like a geographer by training or anything but then you cited some geographers you know uh so i I got to i
2: audited the class with um ruthie gilmore when i was at berkeley i got to sit in on one of her classes and i got really sick at the end of that class i had to leave but um which is where the book starts but um yeah she she's brilliant and um and clyde woods you know it's like i'm reading all all over the place and and Clyde Wood's work I mean I just I I wish I could have got to meet him I wish I could give him the book uh because I do feel um particularly with him I feel like wow um he would be he would be proud like you did that sister you know what I mean uh and, and, and um yeah so there's some geographers there
1: So another person that comes up a lot in the book, um, I was a little surprised at how often um, he comes up. Is Walt Whitman, um, who you know obviously he lived in Camden. He's kind of one of the the notables of uh, the history of the city. Um, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about like why you came back to to him and uh, you know numerous times yeah. through the book. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just probably what you said, you know what I mean? Like growing up in Camden, it's like, who is this Whitman? And then my dad um, is a, I guess he he's a self-described whitmaniac <laughs> <laughs> and um, a lover of, of literature and, 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 and poetry. But I do think that, you know, for him, Whitman um, goes deep. You know, that's one of the poets that he's kind of carrying around for a lifetime. Um, carrying on his poetry, you know, those poems that you, that you remember, those lines that kind of buoy you. Um, and so, yeah, I um, was really interested in the life of these houses and here's this poet's house that is uh, preserved. And there's such a great, it was such a great effort to keep it as a, as a landmark and keep it as a historic house in the city where houses are falling apart um and regularly demolished. So, you know, it's it has that kind of it, it had that kind of pull for me. It it had more of a pull as a structure than the actual poet. Although I love the poem the poetry too. It's the history of the house and the uses of the house now that kind of um are interesting to me. Um and um once I got to Kind of dwelling in like Whitman's writing and thinking through his conversations with trouble, um, I just felt like really kind of delighted and also kind of grossed out by some of the like racism and stuff. Um, so there's a there's a force there uh, that kind of for me was important to. Man, um, yeah, I just kept thinking about it. Um, and, um, I think I write about this in the book, I, think I started dreaming about Whitman's house and being in his house. And then when I found Eleanor Ray, oh man, I thought it was so awesome that she was the, um, curator of the house for so long and she was so beautiful and, uh, such an interesting figure. And then she had that little piece published. I, I think it's in the, the Walt Whitman review and I talk about it in the book um, about, you know, what it meant for her to, to grow up next to that house and to play there. And, um, and then her, you know, becoming a great lover of uh, Whitman's poetry, like my dad, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm so glad that I, I was able to, to, uh, kind of keep Whitman in the mix. Um, and I think, you know, he, re- like I said, he, he liked being in the mix of things too, so um it's a kind of tribute to that you know to that the poet's way and the messiness of it all
1: yeah and and that does make an interesting you know kind of set of contrasts with the fate of his house that's being so actively preserved and you know integrated into the city's image because you know there's another kind of theme that runs through this is just Kind of the public image that camden has that it was this like icon of like rust belt decay you know city that was losing everything and falling apart but then it's more recently been held up as this exemplar of like redevelopment and renewal and you know big projects that they've tried to do to you know bring people into the the city um and You know, it gets talked about a lot in terms of like policing reform and stuff. You mentioned the big speech that Barack Obama gave there, um, you know, trying to hold up the city as this kind of, uh, you know, model for for other cities. So you've got all this stuff going on at this kind of uh, big citywide level. And then, you know, your book kind of shows how any of that does or doesn't. Come down to the the level of the the neighborhood uh, where you were living and some of the the specific uh, you know communities that you were part of there.
2: Right, right, yeah. So it's so it's like um that was really interesting for me to kind of think around a place like the Croc Center that opened um, on Harrison Avenue and right about, I write about mean that was like a huge dump I was growing up and um you know what does it mean for goodwill to come and it's this like beautiful structure and there's a pool in there there's a daycare center i mean it's like wow i could never imagine that you know um but then i think i, I start thinking like you know what 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 mess what the messaging is and who it serves and um and why um does or why would um like making oneself legible or a particular kind of renunciation or faith based practice. Like wh- why would that, um, how is that meant to serve uh, the people? Um, and what, what, what is it obscure, um, in terms of the kind of relations and practices that already exist at the community that make the community. Right. Um, so, um, so there are a lot of contrasts and, and, and contradictions. And it's uh, it's real seductive, you know, to think about, like, um, festivals and croc centers as um, as a way to kind of, like, bring back and reform a place. Um, when I always come back to it, it was like, you know, the lives that we had and the lives that people have there are all... <laughs> are already lively and rich right um and what we're what we're ending up talking about is white supremacy um and uh um what renewal and um redevelopment mean as as a uh, when they are filtered through uh white supremacy and that always leads to our dispossession so it's it's it, it's some sinister shit, <laughs> 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 you know, and it, and it, and it's, it, it puts me at odds a lot of times with some real, and there's some beautiful people working um, at these places and working and creating festivals and, and, um, and programming and, and all of that in Camden and um, in other places across the country. Um, and so how do we kind of, um, think about this work that's real and that matters but then that can that simultaneously um, works against us in some way and um, in, in real profound ways for me as, as a as a scholar so I you know I'm I try to think about those kind, those questions in the book and it's not easy
1: yeah and I think a lot of the, the complexity of those questions, Comes through uh, in the book. You know, you're not offering us any easy answers to any of the stuff that you're that you're writing about.
2: Right. Yeah, that was important to me. You know, to kind of create a a frame um, and to keep the questions open. Um, yeah, and uh, and and I'm I'm glad to hear. Thank you so much for reading the work too. It's oh yeah, beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's. You know, it's a book that's got a lot of interesting stuff going on in it, and it's just a, a really beautifully written book as well. Right. Um, yeah,
2: thank you. That's
1: cool. So I want to actually circle back now to the title of the book. Um, and I just wanted to ask you why you chose the word toward uh, to, uh, to title the book.
2: Well, it's yeah. There's a lot of different reasons. I mean, it it's uh, it partly keeps open that you know that it, it keeps it open. Uh, it's not you know in or about, um, but there's a kind of uh, thoughtful reaching or dwelling with. Um, but it preserves the kind of space uh, without. I didn't want to kind of create an enclosure. Um, the other. Uh, It's a name William Carlos Williams Patterson. I think it ends, or it's like toward the end of the book. It's been a while since I've read it and tried to feel it and get it uh, as a collection. But he's got this, that's toward Camden is like the figure that's sitting and staring off toward Camden. It's like supposed to be Whitman, I guess. Um, And so that's also pulled from there. Um, and then I tried to dwell with um, the toward Camden in the prologue when we have um, uh, Rafael Horacio, the char- the person that I write about and kind of create this character with a slash um, who was killed by the police in Camden in, in 1971. Um, I write about him going toward Camden. Uh, so I'm holding that that language there and then also the book opens the first chapter with um, my parents picking me up from the airport and us heading toward Camden so for me it's um, the, the language is uh, I'm, I'm building with it throughout the work you know the cover and then prologue and the first chapter and then, then sort of reaching toward William Carlos Williams and his figuration of Whitman to
1: Okay, well, hopefully, I think we've we've given uh, our listeners enough to to um, you know get them interested in checking out the book. So
2: oh, I'd like yeah, to, yeah, you
1: know, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to wrap things up by asking what you're working on next. Uh, what kind of projects do you have now that this book is out?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm working on some creative writing. Um and then I'm gonna be at the Schomburg um in New York looking through these archives, Alberta Hunter papers, uh and the archives they have of, of black nursing. And I'm trying to think about um Goldwater Memorial Hospital on Roosevelt Island uh, as um a place where the great Puerto Rican poet Julio de Burgos um Spent some time and composed her two English language poems there. So I'm looking at um, some archives that are at the Schomburg to think about histories of Black nursing and then to also take a kind of route into um, the histories of Goldwater Memorial Hospital and Alberta Hunter, whose papers I'm looking at. She was a nurse there for 20 years and also this uh, blues and jazz singer, of course. So I'm kind of getting at. Uh, this hospital in a kind of roundabout way, different kinds of archives. Um, so I got a few different all things right. I'm working on. Yeah. Okay.
1: That, all, mm. that sounds really interesting. Um, <laughs> so it, thank yeah. you so much for coming on thank the show. Thank you
2: so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for reading the work and spending time thinking about it with me. I really it means a lot.
1: So you just heard a conversation with Mercy Romero, author of Toward Camden, published last year by Duke University Press.